Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Wednesday, March 1st edition of the Basement Academy. Always love the first day of a month. Uh, just the month stretches out before us. I just, I organize my thinking often in my calendar in the context of the month. So what will March hold for us uh, these next 31 days? Um, I also love the first of the month because it lets me read those day one psalms, you know, the, the five psalms that, that come to us in our little reading plan. And I love Psalm 121. As I think about making a pilgrimage through the next month, this psalm sets some good context and reminders. It's, 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 um, it's one of the pilgrim psalms as they made their ascent up to Jerusalem and they walked by foot on unpaved roads, exposed to the elements, possibly with bandits and robbers and others uh, intending them harm. And so we get Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. He will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Hmm. None of us knows what the next month is going to hold <clears throat> by way of personal challenge and opportunity, national, global <laughs> challenge. You know, is another pandemic going to fall on us? And we're coming up on the three-year anniversary uh, of the pandemic, right? And so on March 1st, three years ago, didn't know what was getting ready to happen. And so God has been with us and watched over us. And so let's uh, journey uh, together. Uh, let me remind you of the Sunday gathering this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the sanctuary. We're going to share survey results. Thank you for all who have completed your surveys. The, the survey period is now uh, completed. Um, and... Um, We'll see what we see. I'm, I'm eager and excited uh, to, to, to find out. And then we'll, we'll just have some conversation about what we see there. Uh, and then let me remind you about the prayers from the cloud, um, just that, that daily subscription to some prayers. Uh, Pete James, friend of mine, uh, these historic uh, prayers. So I invite you to uh, subscribe to that, uh, perhaps just for the Lenten season, but perhaps beyond. You'll enjoy that. Okay, two, two more questions. <clears throat> In the context of Lent and self-examination, okay? So the person who wrote the question did so uh, on Sunday afternoon who had heard the morning message about self-examination. Um, self-examination. Attend church regularly. Check. Don't swear or drink. Check. Tithe. Check. Doesn't play cards on the Sabbath. <laughs> about Malin Culp, right? Check. Goes into all the world and proclaims the gospel, making disciples of all nations. Uncheck. And so my question is, how do I proclaim the good news in a winsome manner to my neighbor at the gas pump or the grocery store, etc.? The children's time taught me to say I'm sorry and know that I am forgiven. So appreciate the question. 
love to talk about this um, evangelism. So I've, I've kind of scratched here. Uh, October 11th, 2021, so a little over two years ago, I did this series on unlearning evangelism. Sorry for the scratchy writing here in red. Um, and so for 20, for 20 studies, uh, going back to October of 21, I talked about this, how we maybe need to unlearn evangelism so that we can learn how to share the gospel well, right? Um, the, the place to begin is 1 Peter 3.15. Uh, so, so this is where I would direct the questioner to. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. There's a lot in that one verse. Set apart Christ as Lord in your own life. So, so, so pay attention to your own relationship with Christ first. Win yourself to Jesus first before you try to win anybody else uh, to Jesus. Be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Then always be ready to give an answer. So, so some think about evangelism as an offensive strategy where I'm initiating the action, okay? I'm calling the plays and I am coming to you. So go to the grocery store and you're, you know, there at the mangoes and the apples and the, you know, the fruit section. Hey, do you know Jesus? Is he your Lord and Savior? I would not advise that strategy. Or at the gas pump, you know, hey, yeah, you doing a let it, uh, you know, a regular, uh, okay. Hey, do you know Jesus? I wouldn't suggest that. People are going to think you're a weirdo, okay? We live in a society where uh, offensive initiatives around religion in, in public spaces is offensive. It is socially unacceptable to be doing this, okay? Peter wrote this in the context of a defensive time for Christianity, uh, the, the, the church was new. It was in the, ha, uh, the, the, the um, Roman Empire, which was a hostile relationship to the Roman authorities and to the Jewish religious authorities. And so, so the early church is getting uh, trouble from both sides, from the secular civil society, as it were, and from the religious society of Judaism because they were perceived as a breakaway from uh, Judaism. And so always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope you have. So, so to be a winsome evangelist, to, to check that box, is be ready to answer people when they ask you for the hope you have. Now the question is, do, are you a person of hope? We, hope is very attractive. And particularly in our society that's becoming increasingly despairing and hopeless. There's all kinds of negativity running around our society. And, and sadly, we Christians are not immune from that. There's people who complain about the government, complain about uh, taxes, complain about the economy, complain about, you know, all that COVID stuff, complain about, um, uh, say, politics already. You know, why do they vote that way? And they're such knuckleheads. Uh, they complain about kids these days. You know, these millennials don't do any work. People are on their iPhones and iPads all the time. There's a, a, a spirit of negativity in our culture and a person of hope is going to shine like a bright light. Be that bright light. So pay attention to the words coming out of your mouth. Pay attention to the attitudes of your heart because often our attitudes and our inner thoughts leak out. 
Um, pay attention to our tone of voice. You know, whiny, complainy people generally don't attract a following and don't attract questions. Most of us lean away from whiny, complainy people, right? Don't be a whiny, complainy person. And so Christian hope is not little orphan Annie, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you, tomorrow. It's not wishful thinking that my life's going to be a little bit better. It is grounded in the, the deep understanding that Christ has died, Christ has risen, that God is remaking this world and that he has entered the world in the person of his son. <laughs> and, and, and that son has, is building a community of hope and faith and love. And that is what's attractive. So be that person, then be ready to give an answer. Now, I think of, I think I talk I do talk about this in the unlearning evangelism the the notion of our witness there's really two sides to it and the, the analogy is that of a song there's the melody and then there's the lyrics most of us aren't drawn in initially by the lyrics we're drawn in by the melody we may not hang around long enough if we don't like the melody if we don't like the tune we don't like the instruments that are carrying that song we'll just not listen to that song. We'll, we'll just skip to the next song in the playlist, right? And usually we don't catch all the lyrics on the first listening of the song. It, you hear the melody, hey, I kind of like that. That's kind of, you know, hmm. and then you start, there's a refrain, usually there's a verse, then a chorus, and you, 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 you're drawn in and you learn the, the words over time. Many times I've gone to the internet and I've clicked in, you know, lyrics to the particular song. I sometimes just have, I don't even know the song. Uh, I'll just hear, catch a phrase and I'll Google the phrase and it'll pull up and I go, okay. And then I start listening to the song, I learn it. This is evangelism. Your life, your hope, the, the confident way you live, the kind, gentle, respectful, gracious way you live is the melody. Yeah, but nobody asks me for the reason for the hope I have. I mean, and I've probably never had anybody ask me directly, Don, what is the reason for the hope you have? They don't ask that question, but they ask it in other ways. They ask it sometimes about their own life. You know, gosh, nothing ever seems to go right for me. They're asking a question. They're, they're wanting some engagement. They want you to, you know, they're raising that so that you'll engage them in that conversation, right? Tell, tell me more about that. Why is it you think nothing's gone right for you? Ah, the, and then they start talking. And then you're prepared to give a reason for the hope you have. Say, you know, man, everything you're talking about, believe it or not, I've had some of that kind of experience too. It's funny. You know, when I was in college, I had somebody share with me, and this is going to sound really strange and it's going to be sound religious, so I don't, you know, don't, don't think I'm a weirdo. But somebody shared with me, uh, the gospel of Jesus. And I thought, oh, good grief. But truth is, I actually looked into it and I have found in my life, understanding God's plan and purpose has made all the difference. And so, you know, I wonder if that would be something you'd want to think about. I'd be happy to talk to you more about that. I mean, that's, so I'm, I'm kind of role-playing a conversation. Somebody whines and complains, says how hard their life is. Listen to that. Take the bait a little bit, but you're doing it strategically so that you can 
share the reason for the hope you have, that you too have faced hardship. Nobody has not faced hardship, but you found a way to handle hardship. And then maybe say, can I pray for you? I, you know, it might be too weird to pray now, but would it be all right if I just, you know, prayed for, prayed for you about this? That's the winsome evangelism with your neighbor, okay? So I, I think I'll stop there just because there's another question to pay attention to. But let me direct you to the Unlearning Evangelism. It's on the website, previous Basement Academy studies, search. Um, it, it, they're, they're by category, but going back to October of 21. Okay, the next question, love this one. I was very surprised that Greenwich lost money last year. What happened? Don't we have financial professionals serving on stewardship and reviewing our books? Great question. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Again, I don't know who asked these questions. Uh, well, for the first time in 22 years, um, Greenwich, quote unquote, lost money, which simply means that our uh, income through the offering plate and online giving, but our income fell short of our expenses for the year, okay? Um, roughly, tw it was $21,000 and change, but we'll say $20,000 on $1.2 million, which amounts to little over 1%, you know, maybe a percent and a half of shortfall, which is not insignificant. If any of us had a $20,000 shortfall in our, our personal budget, we would be feeling it. Collectively, the church, it was not that significant. Um, we have significant reserves built up over time because for my 20, almost 22 years here, we've always finished in the black and those monies go into the reserves. And so our reserves just a mere five years ago were in the 230,000 range and now they're in the $470,000 range. But it's a great question. Um, so yes, um, we review our uh, finances monthly by our leadership. We have an administrative team uh, that has, um, so we, are, uh, we have an accounting firm that um, does, we, we have internal uh, uh, staff members, but, but actually checks are written in the balances and the, and the books are done by an accounting firm. Um, we have a team that reviews those expenses um, uh, every month. Our admin team comprised of elders and trustees who have a financial, uh, the financial professional uh, who, who are on that team. Um, the reality is church finances are unlike other businesses. You know, we don't sell a product. We don't market. We don't advertise. Uh, we don't uh, provide discounts. You know, we don't have sales that get people into the, into the store. And then we, you know, get you in with low prices on one thing and then you buy something else. It's just not the income uh, expense way of a church is very different. Um, you know, our income is driven 100% by volunteer contributions. Uh, when people are led, when they remember, when they attend church, when they choose to donate, we can't control any of that. Um, so I'm always quite amazed. <laughs> How in the world did we raise $1.2 million? You know, we don't address finances much from the pulpit. In fact, some people are telling me you need to talk more about money. Maybe. Um, but people give strictly out of their own goodwill, out of their faith, their, their relationship with God, their sense of duty. You know, however, I don't know the motivations for everyone to give, but people do give and they give generously and we're thankful for that. 
um, we've observed, um, you know, we keep little charts. And so we've got, you know, you, you, I'm not going to show you the chart, just that there is a chart, income expenses, year to date. We do, we've got it all the way back charted for two decades now. And we have very cyclical and patterned uh, ways of giving. Typically expenses will run higher than income for most of the year. And then in the month of December, as people take advantage of, um, they're incentivized by the IRS, right? Uh, for charitable contributions. Um, uh, typically our December uh, income will be about 20% or so, uh, plus or minus of our overall income uh, for the year. And this year it was a little less than that. And there's perhaps some reasons, but again, we don't know because we don't interview people and people aren't required to give. We don't make extra appeals. You know that if you've been around Granite for a while, we typically will print information in the bulletin of where we project expenses to end up and how much we need. And we just, you know, leave it to that. And that's always worked. So, you know, not greatly concerned about what, what happened this year. Um, uh, on the expense side of, of things, this is the first year we were fully staffed. Um, we have been down a staff member for a number of years. Uh, in 2016, as many of you know, our youth director engaged in sexual misconduct. He was um, uh, dismissed from staff. He was let go. And we have been covering uh, those duties internally, right? Um, so Eric Beckman uh, and team of volunteers have been giving leadership to that. We hired a director of family ministry. So in one sense, we've been making the budget by being understaffed, which means we've been stretched um, in some ways. And so frankly, that's probably, doesn't mean we can't afford that person. It just means that we had that dynamic uh, at, at, at play. Um, uh, we did have some long deferred uh, expenses. Uh, we did a kitchen uh, and fellowship hall remodel. Uh, much of that came out of reserves. Some of that came out of the operating budget. And, and so there, uh, there was some impact there. We have a $172,000 mortgage that, you know, it, we're handling. We pay, you know, nearly $15,000 a month, a month um, uh, in mortgage. The elders have been in discussion for a number of years. Uh, in fact, just before COVID happened, we were going to conduct a campaign to pay off the mortgage and get that off the book. So if we didn't have that $172,000, our $20,000 deficit would have been $150,000 uh, surplus. It's just that simple. With COVID, the elders pulled back on that. Uh, around denominational realignment discussions, the elders have been reticent to anything significant financially. And so, but that's, that's a, a fact. And, and there's been some very robust conversation uh, within the, the elders, with the elders and the pastors, the wisdom of not paying it off versus the wisdom of paying it off. But the impact uh, upon our budget is felt, we'll say it that way. Um, if somebody wanted to step up, I'll just make the invitation. If somebody wants to step up and write about a million dollar check, we're, we're under a million now, that would be great. We will receive that, have the mortgage taken care of and boom, you know, we're not going to run into financial challenges for a while. Um, 
COVID has impacted uh, our church life. Uh, attendance is about 80% of what it was pre-COVID. You know we don't pass the plate anymore. And there are some people saying that's the reason we fell short. I don't think so um, because we didn't pass the plate in previous years of COVID and we finished with significant surpluses uh, to the tune of in 2021, we finished with a $126,000 surplus. In 2020, we finished with a $132,000 surplus. These were the COVID years. In 2019, we finished with a $93,000 surplus. And in 2018, we finished with a $2,000 surplus. So it just varies from year to year. And this is just one of those years that income was down. Frankly, what I think it is, inflation and the economy. The markets were down and I think that just had some people pull back a little bit. Maybe they didn't have as much of their discretionary income to give based on what the markets were doing. Again, I don't know because I don't know, you know, why anybody uh, gives or how much anybody gives. Um, the reality is if going back, this is going back to the first question, and the person said, you know, attends church regularly, doesn't swear or drink, tithes. Now, I don't know if they mean they tithe. That's actually 10% of your income because that's what a tithe is. Not just giving, but tithing is 10% of your income every year. Because this is what God calls for in the, certainly in the Old Testament. New Testament, you could suggest it might even possibly be more than a tithe. If everybody at Greenwich tithe, I'm not saying this is a scold. It's an observation. It's a fact. If everybody at Greenwich tithed, likely we would have a budget in the two to two and a half million dollars. Just taking Prince William County, Fauquier County, the number of households that we are, the median income, da 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 da. You just you just do some ballparking, and we would probably have a. To over a $2 million budget. And so, you know, it's not about financial professionals reviewing the books. It's about just people giving, you know. Few of us defer our vacations. Few of us defer our big purchases. Usually we proceed with those things. Sometimes we do defer our giving to the church. I, I, it's just an observation, not a scold you know, just, just trying to be about it. So anyway, love the question. Um, let me invite everyone to tithe. Um, my wife and I, we have committed to this over the years and we've never found ourselves in financial uh, problems. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I think money is such a, a deep part of our lives. Um, we get fearful around money. We become anxious around money. And, and Jesus speaks about money. And, and so uh, in this Lenten season, perhaps let, let's examine our own giving. Let's examine our own attitudes and relationship to money. And let's be thankful for the church leadership that does give attention and reviews the books, etc. And, you know, we have made decisions in the past to, you know, pull back expenses and to, you know, keep uh, staff salaries flat. Uh, we've never decreased. We've never, you know, fired anybody for, for financial reasons and pray we'll never have to. Um, but know that there are very thoughtful 
uh, individuals and a team of folks who are very attentive uh, to these realities. It's just a game that we can't know, right? And had one more person written one more check that would have been adequate or 10 more people written checks, then we wouldn't be having this discussion, right? But I'm glad we are. Uh, I'm glad for the question and, and a little glad maybe to have fallen short to, to give some opportunity for leadership and the congregation to maybe wrestle around some of these things. So anyway, so thanks for that question. Uh, let's close in prayer and we'll, we'll see you tomorrow. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for the gift of this new day, this new month. As we make our pilgrimage, we trust that you will not let our foot slip uh, individually or together as a church family. And if we wrestle with the, the deeper challenges of how to share Christ winsomely and how to be faithful and good stewards of the resources you provided us, Lord, may we always walk in the light as you are in the light and to do so with faith, hope, and love. So watch over us this day and forevermore as we pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God watch over you. May he not let your foot slip. May he keep you from all harm this day and forevermore. Amen.